seldom use call letters. I very seldom use those call letters. The call letters are W T T T Y. I made them up myself. George Wilder Jr. Junior so uh Junior Show. Uh um Chicago, Illinois. It is six oh four straight up Chicago time. It is another beautiful day in the city of Chicago. Folks, I hope it's beautiful where you are. I hope you're not sad or upset or depressed because of what's going on in the world. We can we're gonna change it, we're gonna do something, we're gonna be about it. All right. Uh like I said before, it's another sweet day in the city of Chicago. No rain, no rain. The weather people's been saying rain, 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 but no rain. They're wrong. As I was saying the other day, we have we have this uh, uh, television station and news organizations that says uh, that they are the most accurate weather telling station in the uh, uh, in Chicago. They're online. <laughs> They are not the most accurate. They're the most accurate. They're the most accurate at getting it, not accurately, if, if I if that's a way to say it. Anyway, it's beautiful in the city of Chicago. There's no rain, no rain, no rain, and we have to report like everybody. I, I guess the whole world is heard by now. Uh, the whole universe, the whole planet, everybody, everyone, every that Aretha Franklin has passed away. Yeah, she passed away from. Um, Pancreatic cancer. Uh, she passed away at the age of uh, 76. Uh, that is a big loss. That's a huge loss, and for at least for the uh, entertainment industry, because I, I I was just such a Aretha Franklin fan. Uh, I remember when I I guess we all have our if we're old enough we all have our Aretha Franklin stories. I remember back in the 60s. I'm aging myself here, but I don't care. Uh, I remember back in the 60s. That's the first time I've ever actually heard of um, Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin was, and this is a true story, folks. I'm not lying about this. I think I wrote about this somewhere in one of my books or stories. Uh, uh, The first time I've ever heard, uh, I never loved a man the way that I love you. I just had to have it. I had I was very very young. I was totally young. <laughs> I was a kid. I was a child. Uh I I I was in love with music. And you know, I don't think anybody in my family knew that. I thought they thought I was crazy in other areas, but uh I was in love with music and Aretha Franklin was the first we called them records back then. They they're called different things. They're still in some places uh, 2018, they're still called records or vinyl or whatever. But uh, back in the day, we called them records. You know, they weren't CDs. They weren't this or that. Or they weren't on tape or uh, videotape or VHS or whatever. They were called records. And we had record stores right around the corner. We would go buy records and everything. Uh, and I was a child. I was a child, believe me. And I didn't have much money or any money, uh, at that, but I somehow I would somehow get a, get my hands on a few pennies. And one day I went out and I bought uh, Rita Franklin's "I Never Loved a Man the Way That I Love You." I went out and purchased it. It was on a. I remember it well. It was on a the Atlantic label, the red and black label, Atlantic label, the stack stack. 
label. Yeah, I remember it well. And I remember it almost like it was yesterday, and I was a child back then. And I went out and I, and I purchased uh, I Never Loved a Man the Way That I Love You by Aretha Franklin because I loved it. It was just something about it. It was something about the emotion, the, the adrenaline, the feeling that it gave me every time I listened to it. I thought it was it wasn't directly blues, but it wasn't directly pop either. It was just Aretha Franklin. I mean, she was just belting this song out, man. If you don't know the song, you can always go and find it and listen to it or either Spotify it or check it out on iTunes. I never loved a man the way that I love you. Uh, it may not sound as as potent as it was uh, back then because, you know, things have evolved so much. Things have uh, uh, changed so much. But it was a great song. I may go listen to it after the show because <laughs> Because I haven't listened to it in a long time. Uh, but that was one of the first songs that I've ever, ever purchased. And I purchased it with my own money. I'm pretty sure I got it collecting, uh, getting deposits off the bottles or, or something or other. Or because uh, I didn't have any money. Uh, they didn't have any. And so I, just, I, I bought the song. And the minute I bought the song, I took it home. I put it on the record player. And I think I, I turned it up. <laughs> and it was, I think there was about six more tenements, six more apartments in the building that we stayed in. So I turned it up. And wow, I mean, I people were rushing <laughs> towards me uh, saying that, you know, that uh, I had taste in buying um, in music. They loved it. They wanted it. I mean, people used to come ask me, uh, in some instances, if they could borrow it for parties or get-togethers or card games. You know, they were really after the Aretha Franklin record that I bought, that I purchased. And they were, I remember one guy looked at me and said, that boy, he knows what to buy. He knows what to buy. You know, Uh, so that's my first inquest with Aretha Franklin and one of her songs. I never loved a man the way that I love you. It is still uh, a strong and emotional song today. Some people would put it in the uh, category of blues. Well, they can put it in any category they want. Magnificent song. Uh, And it was one of the first songs that I purchased. I mean, I purchased over the years since then, I purchased, I mean, you know, I, I bought a lot of music and been into a lot of music and even had my own band and, you know, what, got a hundred guitars here right now. But back then in the 60s, when that song came out, uh, you know, people were, uh, older people were gathering around me saying, uh, they were calling me Junior back then and saying that that's a great song and you have a great ability in music. I didn't know what the hell these people were talking about, praising me for buying a, a song by Aretha Franklin called I Never Loved a Man the Way That I Love You. I was just buying a, I just bought it because I liked it. I didn't know it was going to, you know, uh, get me new friends. <laughs> I had no idea, but it did. And uh, I, I listened to it back then and I, I loved it. I loved it whenever I had it because I was loaning it out to borrow it. Same way, I, I think, uh, the same way it was with James Brown, I think. I think a lot of records I bought by James Brown, people would 
asked me if they could borrow the song for a party or something. But Aretha Franklin, uh, she passed away today, and that's sad. That's bad. That that's not good. Uh, and then I think the next song that I heard by her after that was Respect. Yeah, yeah, it was Respect. As a matter of fact, I I even had the album. I went out and bought the album, and the album had I never, I never loved a man the way that I love you, and it also had Respect on there. But Respect uh, was the second hit, I believe, major hit of Aretha Franklin, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, okay? Um, and uh, we were listening to Respect and dancing to Aretha Franklin's Respect when it first came out. It was, it was a monster, too, just like I've never loved a man with it, I love you. It, it was a monster. Respect was a monster. I mean, in terms of sales and popularity. Um, I I had that, and uh, while I was listening, we were listening to uh, respect and enjoying it and dancing off of it. It was a it was a great tune. Uh, I looked at, I looked at the label and I realized that she didn't write the song. Aretha Franklin did not write respect. It was written by the late Otis Redding. So I went and found Respect, the same song, written by Otis Redding, and sung and performed by Otis Redding. And I compared his, his version of uh, Respect to Aretha Franklin's version of Respect. And there was no contest. <laughs> you probably figured out. There was no contest. Even though uh, the late Otis Redding had wrote the song Respect, Aretha Franklin took it to its higher heights. She took it to its higher heights. And Otis, even, Otis, even Otis Redding, from what I, I've heard him say it uh, in a recording or something, I've heard him say it that Aretha Franklin, that girl, gone with that song. That's what he said. He's gone, even though it was his song. She recorded it and probably made him a million bucks because of it. You know, because I did listen to, as I've said, I did listen to uh, Otis Redding version, uh, version of Respect. If you if you ever heard of uh, uh, Otis Redding and you've heard his music, you know that he had one of those sad-sounding voices, dry, sad-sounding voices. Uh, Aretha Franklin took that song to number one. And Otis Redding was going around doing it when he was alive. He was going around doing it at, at his uh, musical events, but he could never do it the way Aretha Franklin done it. No way, no how. So that was my uh, uh, entry into knowing uh, and ever hearing of Aretha Franklin. Yeah, those two songs. Basic, but more so, I never loved a woman the way that I love you. I love the music. I love the way she sang it. I love the way uh, the feeling she gives to it. And she just belted it out. Wow, she belted it out. And I knew I had to have it. And I, and the minute I went and got it and started playing it, everybody was, uh, most people were just, these were adults. I was a child back then, but all these adults were coming up to me saying, you know what to buy, son. You know what to get. Most of them was alcoholic. They drunk beer, whiskey, and wine, but they like to have a good time, play cards. And I, 
they and they listened to Aretha Franklin's that the song that I had purchased back back in the day, uh, I never loved a man the way that I love you. And it's sad to know that she passed away today. I want to say that again. Aretha Franklin passed away today, and she was 76 years old. Um, now, if you re- and she's recorded a lot of stuff. So uh, you know, one person uh, wrote and said that we will always be listening to Aretha Franklin, and I agree. We will be always listening to Aretha Franklin. You know, we will always be listening to her. Always, her music is going to be is everywhere. They're still playing her radio, music on the radio. Yeah, you, you have to look for it. <laughs> but there's still "Baby I Love You," uh, 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 things like that. "Baby I Love You." Uh, don't play that song for me. She's had such a a wide repertoire of songs. She has she has her hits. A lot of times. The songs that she recorded that were not hits sounded better than the songs that were hits. She was just awesome. And I soon learned after I never loved a man the way that I love you. Usually when I like a song and I buy a song and I like an artist, I always like to go and try to research more on that audience, that that uh, artist, excuse me, that artist. Because if you like one thing by a certain artist, you're going to say, wow, they must have done a lot of other things. So I started researching Aretha Franklin to find out she was doing a lot of things in her teens, you know, for Columbia Records before, I mean, two or three years before she even had I Never Loved a Man the Way I Loved You. She was singing in those classical uh, realms, you know, classical like Johnny Mathis, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Vic Damone, you name it. (laughs) She was singing in that kind of a, a setting. But then I guess someone told her she should move over to soul music. And that's when, that's where I Never Loved a Man uh, the Way That I Love You came about. You know? And I can compare Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Shirley Bassey, uh, and a lot of these other great singers with great voices with some of the singers of 2018 and 2019. I don't think none of these singers today, 2018, 2019, can hold a candle to Aretha Franklin, Whitney Houston, Shirley Bassey, singers of this caliber. I don't think uh, Miley Cyrus, even Beyonce, Kelly Clarkson, Clarkson, and some of these other people today can hold a candle to Rita Franklin, Whitney Houston, and Shirley Bassey. Uh, it, it, no, it's not going to happen. And I've always said this, the music of yesterday is a hell of a lot better than what they're playing now and what people are listening to now or what they're dancing to now. The music nowadays, uh, you know, they it, it's just out there. It seems like if young women want to make it in the music industry today, they have to get on stage sing while showing their butts, their asses, naked asses on stage. I mean, you didn't have to do that back in the day of uh, Shirley Bassey, Aretha Franklin, um, Whitney Houston, and some others. You didn't have to do that. But nowadays, you, uh, these young girls, they have to show so much to get on stage, even if they have the talent. 
and and in some cases, some of them don't even have the talent. And I've heard so many people with great voices out here in the public, and they're just unknowns. I mean, you've got people out here in the world right now sounding like Aretha Franklin, maybe even better, sounding like uh, Aretha Franklin or or uh, Whitney Houston or Shirley Bassey. If anybody don't know who Shirley Bassey is, and he's like, well, who's Shirley Bassey? Shirley Bassey is 80, 80, I think she's 81 or 82 years old now. She's, she's the woman who sings the theme James Bond theme. If you ever saw Goldfinger with uh, uh, Sean Connery, she sings the introduction. Goldfinger. Uh, and she also does, thank you very much. <laughs> she also does uh, Diamonds Are Forever. And she does one or two more James Bond songs. And she made it, she's made a ton of albums. I think she lives in the UK. Uh, she looks African-American, but she lives, she's a, she's a, a UK. And uh, she's 89 years old, and she made a ton of albums. She's, she's beautiful. She's a wonderful person. She's nice, and she's uh, 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 wonderful. And she's still got a, a lot of uh, records and albums out there that you can devour. She's, she's in the vein of um, Aretha Franklin, you know, or Whitney Houston, if you like that type of music. Of singing from, from someone, and uh, she she's bad. She is awesome. And check out Shirley Bassey. I'm a friend of hers. Well, actually, a friend on, on uh, Twitter. You know, they are. I mean, she's always sending, or somebody, or her representative is always sending me material about her because she's 89. She's not 89, but maybe 81 or 82 years old. And I'm hearing she still has a voice. She still has her voice. Wow. And uh, she's still out there singing Goldfinger. <laughs> she's still out there singing uh, uh, Diamonds Are Forever. And she sounds good at it at 81, 82. And this is what I tell people all the time. It doesn't matter what age you are. Live your dream. Compl- live your dream. You know? Uh, anyway, let's get back to Aretha Franklin. She passed away. There, I mean, it's all over the Internet. I mean, she's pictures and uh, uh Concerts, uh, recorded concerts all over the place. YouTube, you go find Rita Franklin. She's going to always be here. And that's what I try to tell people a lot, uh, uh, so many times. If you're going to die, we're all going to die. Nobody's going to get out of this alive. We're all going to pass away. That's what it's all about. So I don't see people being afraid of dying. I'm not. Bring it on. I mean, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. Um. We can just do the best and be the best person that we can while we're here. Be the best that you can be while you're here. Don't ever think you're going to live forever. I mean, you've got people walking around thinking that they're going to live forever. You're not going to live forever. It's not going to happen. It's not in the cards to live forever. Everybody dies. Where do you go when you die? I don't know. But uh, uh, you're going to die. Everybody's going to die. So get yourself together. Get your house in together, especially if you're up in age. Get your house in together, in, uh, together. Get your uh, will, uh, last will and testament together. I'm not saying that you're going to die tomorrow or anything like that. I'm just saying be prepared because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Get your life together. I mean, Aretha Franklin was still doing concerts. She was still out there on the stage. 
and that's one of the things about musical uh, uh, artists when they pass away. They pass away doing what they love doing. They die in the hotel room sometimes uh, before they get ready to go on stage. They pass away right there, and then they have to cancel the show. I admit some people die a little earlier than other people. Um, that's because maybe you're not taking care of yourself. person that's not taking care of themselves is good, so they might pass away a lot sooner. But, you know, treat your body the best that you can treat it. And never think that you're going to live forever. Nobody's going to do it. It's not, a, it's not in the cards. It's not to be uh, even be contemplated. It's going to happen. We just got to live out, live our lives the best way that we can live our lives uh, to suit us and to suit other people. And I try to tell people, uh, leave something where other people can remember you by. Leave something. Just don't don't be born and then uh, years from now die and leave nothing. You know, leave something, a book, a, a movie, or, or something, a painting. Leave something of yourself to say, wow, Julie was here. Wow, Maxine was here. Wow, David was here. Look at this. Leave something that where other people coming up can say, hey, wow. I mean, just like you think of somebody like Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, he died in, in 1840. Okay, there is a lot of circumstances around his death, around his death, but he died in 1840. And here in 2018, we're still talking about him. We're still admiring him. We're still loving him. Even though he died a pauper, he died poor. I mean, he died poor without one cent. So it's not always about money that's going to uh memorialize you it's going to be what you've done and what you've left behind and what you've given to society after you've gone that's a great thing people be reading about you or hearing about you 100 years from now isn't that great (laughs) so leave something that you uh feel that other people might admire once you die you know, if you can. I mean, if you if you can't leave nothing, then you can't leave nothing. You just, you know, whatever. You know. So um, uh, let's get back to Aretha Franklin. She um, she's going to be missed, and uh, a lot of people right now are downloading and streaming her songs as I speak. They're listening to her songs. Uh, they're buying them. I mean, if Aretha Frank, the same thing is happening. Same thing is happening when Michael Jackson passed away. People were uh, um, buying his song, purchasing his songs like crazy. They're doing the same thing with uh, Aretha Franklin, purchasing her songs like crazy. If these people were alive, they'd be millionaires over and over and over and over and over again because <laughs> their records are selling their songs. Their CDs, their movies. And another thing I want to talk about with Aretha Franklin. Uh, I mean, if you ever, if you've ever seen the Blues Brothers, Aretha Franklin was Oscar worthy for her performance in 
the Blues Brothers with Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. I have it here in my studio as I speak. But I've been having it here for years, way before, <laughs> probably since it, since it first came out in 1980. But Aretha Franklin's performance is just awesome. You would say this woman should have gotten an Oscar. She should have. She should have gotten some sort of award. She may have. I may not have heard about it, but I'm pretty sure she didn't get an Oscar <laughs> for her performance because her performance was one of the best performances in that movie. Not John Belushi, not Dan Aykroyd, not Carrie Fisher, not Ray Charles. He was in it. But Aretha Franklin, Guitar Murphy, I think Guitar Murphy, he's also in the movie. He passed away in June. I'm hearing that he passed away at the age of 88. You know, so uh, Guitar Murphy, Matt Guitar Murphy played Aretha Franklin's husband. Uh, and they were, And she didn't want him to go and rejoin the band that Belushi and Aykroyd was trying to get back together. But he went anyway. But the musical number was just awesome. It was just awesome. And Aretha Franklin, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go out and rent, a, go out and buy the Blues Brothers, or stream it online, or what, rent it, or whatever you want to do, and just check out Aretha Franklin's uh, performance. And this was in Chicago. All of this was uh, in Chicago. The Blues Brothers, the movie, the entire movie was made in Chicago, right? Yeah, Chicago City Hall, right? We're on a mission from God or whatever. Her performance was awesome. Even when I first saw the Blues Brothers uh, uh, back in 1980 when it came out, I, I, I was still in awe of Aretha Franklin's talent. I was acting talent, not singing, acting. She was awesome. She was the best. Uh, performer in the movie. The movie was okay. It was fine. It was it, it it's and I will watch it over and over over again just for her performance. She was singing "Think," uh, one of her hit songs, and uh, it was choreographed pretty pretty good. You know, but it was great. She did a nice performance. And somehow after that, after after Blues Brothers, I felt or thought that Aretha Franklin would go and star. Or be in other movies that didn't happen. I think she was in Blue. I think she was in Blues Brothers 2000, the second Blues Brothers movie without John Belushi because he had passed away from drug overdose. It was reported. But in Blues Brothers 2000, she's very, very, she's very, very um, heavy set. But the first Blues Brothers. She was just awesome, and I, I thought she was going to go on to better things, especially in the movies. I think she would have been a great actress if she would have uh, uh, gone on. But I think maybe it was her weight that probably kept her out of the movies because her weight kept on fluctuating. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm just speculating. I'm just talking. I'm just saying. But anyway, Aretha Franklin passed away today, folks. And uh, if you haven't heard heard her music, if you don't know anything about her, research her. Found out she was one of the best loved performance performers ever uh, uh, throughout. 
and she was. Aretha Franklin passed away today, and um, it's too bad we don't have uh, a... <laughs> it's too bad nobody uh, on the George Wilder Jr. show decided to play that song, I Never Loved It. I may have it on the show next week, I Never Loved the Man the Way That I Love You by Aretha Franklin, or either Respect, you know, one of them. But since, more than likely since... Um, that was one of the first songs that I've ever purchased by Aretha Franklin or purchased ever by anybody. We may have it on the show next week just to uh, send tribute to Aretha Franklin and uh, send tribute to Aretha Franklin because she she deserves it. I mean, she she and I, I think. Dying at 76, 76 is not a young age, but I think dying at 76 is a little bit premature. But, uh, you know, I mean, I'm looking at 86 or 88, but, you know, um, for, for you know, for, I, I always felt if you live to be 90, you've really lived for a long time and you've seen a lot, you know a lot. Uh oh, a fire somewhere. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back, folks. election night in America. 
On the most important primary night so far this year, the biggest races are in California, where the polls will close just about an hour, one hour from now, and CNN will be watching it for the next four hours for you. The results there in California will have a huge impact on whether the Democrats could retake. I wouldn't normally address this. As a journalist, I don't really like being the story here, but because of how important it is for each of us to stand up for what is right and what is decent, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel starting right now. So President Trump is on vacation this week at his golf resort in New Jersey, but he is he's not taking any time off from Twitter and apparently from watching me on CNN, which he denies, by the way. I know this because he has tweeted a nasty, hateful swipe at me and LeBron James that we've been discussing here. You probably read about it or saw it somewhere. I sat down with the NBA great for a primetime exclusive that was last week after LeBron had just opened his I Promise school for 240 at-risk third and fourth graders. And during our conversation, LeBron said yeah. this. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. You know, we, we are in a position right now in America, more importantly, where this whole this race thing is, is, is taking over. You know, and, and um, because, one, because so I believe our president is kind of trying to divide us. For him to, um, like I said, use sports to kind of divide us is something I can't, yeah, I can't sit friend. back and not, and not say nothing. What would you say yeah. to the president if he's sitting right here? Uh, I would never sit across from him. You would never? You didn't want no. to talk to him? No. I said that across from Barack, though. See, I'm sure that got him. So as we know, President Trump doesn't like anyone to disagree with him or to criticize him. So he tweeted this late on Friday night. He said, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. Well, unlike this president who lashes out wildly at anyone who criticizes him, I have pretty thick skin. And LeBron James, in addition to being a brilliant black man, a superstar in his sport and a hero to his community, is taking the high road, which is exactly where he belongs. So since this president, since he's fused so many insults so often, the president has called a lot of people stupid. Some of those people are white. But I would just like to note that referring to African-Americans as dumb, remember this is America, referring to African-Americans as dumb is one of the oldest canards of America's racist past and present that black people are of inferior intelligence. And pretty much anyone and everyone in this country reacted. Here's what Dan Rather tweeted. He said, I'd much rather live in a world reflecting the values, philanthropy, and yes, intelligence of LeBron James and Don Lemon's intelligent commitment to truth and journalism than the divisive, peevish lies and narrow self-interest displayed by the President of the United States. This tweet from, thank you, Mr. Rather, by the way. This tweet is from Barbara Streisand. Why isn't Trump more concerned with the wildfires wreaking havoc across the country or the many critical decisions facing the President of the United States instead of insulting LeBron James on Twitter? Why is he constantly projecting onto others what he knows about himself? Ohio exactly. Governor John Kasich, a Republican who is no fan of the President, writing, rather than criticizing at King James, we should be celebrating him for his charity work and efforts to help kids. By the way, all around, he's better than Michael Jordan. That's a fact. Well, even Michael Jordan's weighing in, congratulating LeBron for, his, for the work he is doing for his local community. But maybe CNN commentator Keith Boykin, listen to this, summed it up the best with this tweet. In Trump's world, Obama, Kenyon, LeBron James, dumb, Don Lemon, dumb, Maxine Waters, low IQ, Black countries, shitholes. 
black athletes, SOBs, black tenants, unwelcome, black workers, lazy, Central Park Five, guilty, Mexicans, rapists, Muslims, terrorists, Indians, fake, Nazis, wait for it, very fine people. Notice the pattern? This president constantly denigrates people of color and women too. Congressman Maxine Waters, his new favorite target. Maxine Waters, a very low IQ individual. Maxine Waters? A low IQ individual. She is a low IQ individual, Maxine Waters. I said it the other day. Hi. I mean, honestly, she's somewhere in the mid-60s. Maxine Waters. Very low IQ. Low IQ. But then again, this is the same man who for years tried to deny the legitimacy of America's first black president by questioning over and over and over whether Barack Obama was born in this country. I want him to show his birth certificate. I want him to show his birth certificate. There's something on that birth certificate that he doesn't like. Oh, my God. I brought it up just routinely, and all of a sudden, a lot of facts are emerging, and I'm starting to wonder myself whether or not he was born in this country. I would like to have him show his birth certificate. And can I be honest with you? I hope he can. Because if he can't, if he can't, and if he wasn't born in this country, which is a real possibility, if he doesn't, it's one of the greatest scams in the history of politics. Fuck you. And black athletes who kneel during the national anthem as a form of protest against racism and police brutality, well, they get this disrespect. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say, get that son of a off the field right now. He's fired. Fired! This week marks the one-year anniversary of that violent and deadly white nationalist rally in Charlottesville. The one where angry white racists carried torches and shouted anti-Semitic slogans, including, including, Jews will not replace us. The one where Heather Heyer, a 32-year-old young lady, was killed by a bigot who intentionally drove his car through a crowd, a crowd that was there to fight against the hate. But this is how this president famously characterized that. You also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. The cross burnings are tiki torches. They're white hoods replaced by no hoods and khaki pants. These are the very fine people in the president's eyes. And yes, let us not mince words, let me not mince words here. This president traffics in racism and is fueled by bullying. From keeping children at the border in cages to bullying journalists at every one of his rallies and every chance he gets. President Trump is trying to divide and a divide and conquer strategy here and here's how it goes. He divides by race and tries to conquer decency by smearing and besmirching the truth and the people who fight to uphold it. I've wondered sometimes, you've seen Chris and I, I've wondered if he is if he will succeed. If the if President Trump 
who has his finger on the, is he, he's the one who has his finger on the pulse of this country. Is he revealing who we really are? Think about that. Is this who we really oh, are? The overwhelmingly negative response, though, to his unfair and unkind attack on a good man, LeBron James, shows that America rejects what he is peddling. Most of America, anyway, not all of America. But what about the impact his policies have on those without a platform through sports like LeBron or through media like me? Yeah. What about those who don't have a voice? What is his presidency doing to them? The kids separated from their parents at the border, the kids who don't have the chance to attend LeBron's school or any halfway decent school, the parents who can't honestly, you can't honestly tell their children to be proud of the president of the United States, the people of color who are attacked by their fellow citizens who feel emboldened to be publicly racist because the president is. Will the country stand up for them? We, the decent and truly patriotic people who really love America and believe in its what greatness, wrong with have to, because clearly Donald Trump won't. So I have great confidence in my intelligence people, but uh, I will tell you that President Putin was extremely strong and powerful in his denial today. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Donald Trump shocked even his harshest critics with his submission to Vladimir Putin this week, likely including my next guest. And joining me now for your moment of Maxine, Congresswoman Maxine Waters of California. And Congresswoman, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Welcome. So were you... I think much of the country was surprised to actually see Donald Trump in action with Vladimir Putin and how submissive he was in public. What did you make of what, what happened in Helsinki? Well, I'm not surprised at all. As a matter of fact, I have for months uh, been trying to tell the American public and everybody else that this president is dangerous, uh, that he's in bed with Putin. Uh, someone said he wants to be like him, whatever. He will never, never condemn him uh, because of the relationship that they have. This didn't just start. This started a long time uh, before he was ever elected. Don't forget. This president cannot borrow money in the United States from any bank. This president is looking at Russia for his new money financial playground. He and all of his allies that I have told you are the Kremlin clan, uh, have been involved with Russia. When you name them and you think about them, why isn't Manafort, Flynn, Wilbur Ross, Carter Page, Papadopoulos, all of his allies have connections with Russia, the Kremlin, and the oligarchs. This has been going on because this is their new money playground uh, that they want to develop. And the centerpiece of this is lifting the sanctions. I would wish people would focus on the sanctions. I think that's the agreement uh, that Putin had with this president in order to help him get elected. This president, I believe, has promised him that once he was 
was elected, he would get those sanctions lifted. And you're going to watch. He's going to continue to try because Putin is saying to him, when is it going to happen? So he has a private meeting with him. We know what they talked about. I think I know what they talked about. They talked about lifting the sanctions. They talked about the upcoming elections. Uh, they talked about uh, all of the things that they could not talk about uh, in an email or on the phone. He had to go. Uh, and meet with him in private yeah, was, uh, so that he could talk about, about what he's going to do States. to follow through with I, what I believe is his commitment to get those sanctions lifted. Don't forget, when Tillerson was there, Tillerson was there to help get the sanctions lifted. He just couldn't put up with this president. He found this president to be so outrageous uh, that he ended up leaving, but he came to be a part of helping to get these sanctions lifted. It's worth trillions of dollars. Everybody will make some money if he can get this done. Right now, Putin's hands are tied. He cannot get the equipment or the supplies that he needs to do the work because our allies are cooperating with us. So I'm not surprised about what happened in Helsinki. I'm not surprised about the private meeting. I'm not surprised about this president standing up for Putin. As a matter of fact, I think he is Putin's apprentice. He's wow. been under his toolage for a long time now, and he intends to get it done. And the American people are sitting idly by. And the Republican Party should be ashamed uh, that they're allowing this to happen. Uh, they have no guts. They have no courage. They're not standing up for America. I dare them to talk about how patriotic they are, uh, given yeah, they uh, what they're allowing this president to do. Now they're all going to send out they're press releases saying, uh, we don't want you to invite to Putin. Well, he's going to invite him right. unless the Congress of the United States and the Republicans really take some serious action. How many of the Republicans are saying, I won't come to the White House. I'm going to be outside demonstrating. How many of them saying, don't invite me to any dinner. You better not have a state dinner. How many are saying that they're just saying you shouldn't and we don't want you to do it. But I want to tell you, if they don't take strong action, to keep him from bringing him here, he's going to bring him here. And that will be another, another straw in his hat that he can point to and say, see, Mr. Putin, I'm moving this forward, what we talked about, what we're going to do. I'm going to get this done. And forget about what he did uh, with North Korea. Yeah. Uh, that's just a, an effort to say that I'm doing One thing you can be sure of 
like a guiding star I'll be there for you if you should need me You don't have to change a thing I love you just the way you are So come with me and share the view I'll help you see forever too Hold me now, touch me now I don't want to live without you Nothing's gonna change my love for you issue stunning rebuke of Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump took away, I talked about this yesterday, John Brennan's uh, security clearance. And Brennan is saying, fuck Trump. In so many ways, he's saying, fuck Trump. Trump, this is doing nothing. This has actually made it a lot worse for Donald Trump. You know, taking people's security clearance. One, one guy is saying, oh, take my security clearance. That's not going to stop me from criticizing you. You can't try Trump trying to obstruct freedom of speech. Who in the fuck is he? I mean, I'm pissed off. Okay, uh, retired Admiral William McRaven slams Trump's decision to revoke the former CIA director's security clearance. Wow. He goes on to say that Trump is an embarrassment. He has embarrassed us. We know that. Trump is an embarrassment to his own ass. And he's picking on the wrong guy. He's picking on the wrong guy. Whatever uh, Brennan is saying about Donald Trump, whatever he's criticizing Donald Trump about, it's, it is relevant because Donald Trump is an asshole. It is relevant to be criticized. Donald Trump doesn't like to be criticized, even if it, the criticism is warranted, even if he knows he should. Um, okay, this is just in, folks. Uh, Fans celebrate Aretha Franklin's life in front of the Apollo Theater in New York. Okay, we're going to switch on. We're going to see what's happening. People are celebrating her life. Anytime I can get get away from talking about Trump, it's great. 
fans celebrate Aretha Franklin's life. She's gone now. Uh, great. Uh, okay, this is a video. You know what? I hate these damn commercials that come on before the video come on. Have you ever noticed that when, when you want to see a video or click on a video, you don't have to do that now? It's already on. You know, it's already there. You don't even have to click on it no more. It's, it's going to be, it's running. You know, it, it's, uh, okay, we have a political. Now, I clicked on to see Aretha Franklin, uh, the fan celebrating her life. All of, I'm getting these commercials. I didn't even click on them. I didn't even ask for them. They're just there. They're just making you watch a commercial before you decide to watch what you have clicked on. Have you ever gone to Facebook and all, you scroll down and, and these videos just start uh, playing automatically without you uh, clicking on them? You don't have to click on them anymore. They automatically play if you just scroll down. That pisses me off. You know, I, I don't want to be interrupted when I'm trying to when I'm trying to uh, get to what I get to what I need to get to. You know, if I said that correctly. Okay, uh, yeah, so there are, this is great. I mean, people are celebrating Aretha Franklin's life in front of the Apollo Theater in New York City because that's where she, she always uh, was when she was performing. Most of the time she was at the Apollo Theater, just like James Brown. I mean, he, he lived at the Apollo Theater. I think, they, I think that's where they had his funeral. Um, so... Um, it, it, it is so sad if I can get, jump back on this musical tribute to Aretha Franklin. It is so sad that when musical icons pass away, it is so sad. I mean, Chuck Berry, uh, Fats Domino, all these people are gone. Jerry Lee Lewis is still with us. Uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, Whitney Houston, all these great people are, are, are just gone. And Eric, None, um, I'm about to say Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton is still here. You got uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Je- uh, Jack Bruce. I mean, all of these great musicians. And there are so many musicians out here that have passed away. I can't even name them all. But it, it just goes to so show you folks that life is just short. I mean, you're on this, you're on this earth for just a period of time. And that's why I always say do something fantastic while you're still here. Um, uh, especially, especially young people. A lot of the young people are, are, uh, are, are uh, fascinated about their good looks. Uh, you know, I hear young people all the time say, well, I'm handsome. I'm cute. I, I'm fine. I, I look good. Yeah, you do. You do. But just like everybody else, you're going to lose those good looks. They're not going to last forever. Even if you want them to, they're not going to last forever. Plastic surgery is going to just make you look worse. So if you think you're cute, you think you're fine, you think you're beautiful, do something while you're young, while you're looking good, while you can. Because we're all going to get old, we're going to get ugly, and we're going to die. So do something uh, uh, to say that you were here to do something so we can learn about you 50, 60 years after you passed away. And that's what Aretha Franklin has. That's what she has. That's what James Brown has. That's what, uh, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was a crooner. crooner. Uh, Wow. Barry White. (laughs) Barry White. Uh, 
Otis Redding, Barry White, Otis Redding. You, you've got um, uh, so many of these names are on the tip of my tongue. I just can't really say it. But uh, people, people, uh, the entertainers are passing away, and we have to do something. Uh, that, and now the people, people coming up, the young people, uh, do something great so we we can remember you uh, by uh, fifty years from now. You know, do something, leave something behind. And I'm not talking about a bunch of children either. <laughs> I'm not talking about a bunch of kids. Um, uh, because they, people leave that behind no matter what. Um, yeah. Uh, George Wilder Jr. shows a tribute to uh, Rita Franklin. Okay, let's get back to Trump is picking on the wrong guy. Uh, retired Admiral William McRaven slams Donald Trump's decision to revoke the former CIA security clearance. Now, he, Donald Trump could have revoked uh, Brennan's security clearance because he worked under Obama. And as we all know, Trump tries to tear up everything and get rid of everything about Obama, uh, making us feel, making the world, trying to get the world to think that there was never a, an Obama. He tries to race Obama, Obama off the books. But with his behavior and his craziness, all he's doing is making people love Obama a lot more. He's too dumb and stupid to realize that. Okay, uh, you have embarrassed us. This guy said that he's saying that Trump has embarrassed us. Stunning admission by Donald Trump. Trump all about he's all about the me 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 approach, warping the, the presidency. This is the worst presidency in the history of the United States, in the history of the world. Donald Trump has brought the presidency down so low we have to look up to try to find it. He has ruined the presidency. And he keeps on ruining it. He has fucked it up so much, you don't even want your kid to grow up to be president anymore, or a senator, or a representative, because we got thugs, uh, senator thugs, representatives in Congress right now who are letting Trump get away with this. Congress is not standing up for America. They're standing up for this embarrassment of a president. I wanted to say something else. They are standing up for this embarrassment of a president, and I keep telling the American people it's up to us to throw this jackass out, get him out of our White House. Everybody's sitting around waiting for the blue wave. We may need more than a blue wave, especially if Donald Trump gets to sit his Supreme Court pick either in September or is it October. We're going to need more than a, uh, a blue wave. We need to run Donald Trump's ass out of the White House, out of Washington, out of the United States right now. Because if he gets to pick, if he gets to sit that Supreme Court pick, what, what is his name? Brett Kavanaugh? who believes that the president ought to be above the law, if he, Donald Trump, gets to sit this guy on the Supreme Court, we're in trouble. We're going to be in trouble for decades. This guy is only 51 years old. And remember, uh, when you're on the Supreme Court, you're on the Supreme Court for life. So he'll be fucking up America for life. We cannot let Donald Trump sit this guy or Mitch McConnell. Remember how Mitch McConnell uh, refused uh, 
to hold a vote or a hearing on Donald Trump, uh, on Barack Obama's pick? And I do believe that, actually, I do believe that Obama, if, if, if Obama had fought, and if Obama has fought, and if the Democrats has fought this, we would have Garrick, Mc, I think it's McGarland, we would have him a Democrat sitting on the Supreme Court. But the Democrats didn't fight this. Because, as I said before, the Democrats are weak, they're spineless, they're too gullible, and this is where the Republicans kick their ass and win. And win. But anyway, this retired uh, admiral... And so many other people have come to uh, the side of John Brenneman and his and support. The only reason why Donald Trump stripped this once Democrat of his security clearances is because John Brenneman goes on cable television and he criticizes Donald Trump and Donald Trump doesn't like it. Donald Trump tries to uh, punish all of his critics. Maybe if he starts being a fucking president and maybe if he starts leading like he's supposed to be leading the country, maybe we wouldn't criticize him. If he wanted to say nice things, start doing his job. Donald Trump is no leader. He's after the American people. He's after us because we don't like him. So he's coming after us. He's trying to scare us with this. I believe with this security clearance uh, takeaway by Donald Trump from from, uh, John Brenneman, it's a scare tactic. It's a scare tactic. It's trying to say, well, you you better stop criticizing me or this is going to happen to you. Donald Trump loves power. No matter how little, no matter if, if if it's power to fuck over people, he loves it. He loves it. Okay? Um, This guy who is... um, Okay, we're trying to change the screen here. Sometimes these computers are really, really slow. And uh, we have to... Okay. um, This is a stunning rebuke of President Donald Trump's decision to revoke the security clearance of John Brennan. This is a stunning, you know. And there are other people also... Also um, criticizing Donald Trump. Even this, even all of this is a, a distraction for Donald Trump. This is a distraction. It, majority of the things that Donald Trump does is a distraction. He's distracting you away from the Manafort trial. He's instructing, he's distracting you away from the Russian. He's distracting you away from the controversy surrounding his Press Secretary Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, it's all a distraction to get you to think, not not to focus on the trial, not to focus on the uh, obstruction and collusion trial by Robert Mueller. He wants you to talk about this. He wants you to think about that. While he's trying to distract us, remember, while we're focusing on Donald Trump, this could be a game, folks. When we're focusing on Donald Trump, Congress is is about to cut our necks off. They're passing bills. They're they're doing this. They're doing that. 
right under our noses, and we're focusing on uh, Donald Trump. It's all a game. They're playing a game here. They are playing a game while we're focusing on Donald Trump. They're cutting Social Security. They're cutting Medicaid. They're cutting this. They're cutting that. Every social program you can to try to uh, gear up money maybe for Donald Trump's wall. So when they're trying to – so when Trump is distracting you, if something happens and he's distracting you from that because he wants you to talk about and focus on this, Congress is busy cutting our throats, and we don't even know it until it happens. Another tax cut, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, health care, Obamacare. They're, they're all uh, – they're trying to uh, – they want to or they have eliminated it. So you have to be vigilant. Donald Trump is good at one thing. If he's an awful, the worst president ever, he's good at one thing, distracting you away from that particular scandal to another particular scandal and another one and another one and another one. I said uh, this many times. It's not a distraction anymore. It's just shit piling on top of more manure. That's all it is. That's all it is. And the things that Donald Trump are doing and saying, and, and it's just making a blue wave more uh, possible. It making, it's making that blue wave even bluer. People are going to run to the polls. They're going to stuff them fucking polls. They're going to be stuffed trying to get in there to vote. And if Russia tries to meddle, if they do meddle, it's not going to work because there's going to be too many fucking people out there voting to get this shit, this trash up out of the White House. Period. Okay, it is, <laughs> it is 10 minutes after 7 p.m. in the city of Chicago, and it is beautiful. Uh, you can almost tell the daylight saving time is starting to dwindle away because it's getting darker sooner. But there, it is still light out there. But you can you know it's about to go, but uh, folks, it, it, we're in some trying times here, and uh, it, it's just it's, it, this is just not good for anybody. It's just not good for anybody. All right, we'll be back in a second. A minute, five minutes, six minutes.
For the last few days, Donald Trump's been trying to figure out how to explain to the public why he doesn't care about dead U.S. soldiers. And his explanations are getting even more bizarre than they were at the beginning. Uh, in case you hadn't really been following the story or were not aware of what was going on, um, the bodies of four U.S. soldiers who were killed in an ambush attack in Niger recently returned to the United States this weekend. Rather than be there as these bodies uh, were, were delivered back to the United States, Donald Trump was out golfing. On this very inauspicious Friday the 13th, it was nearly 42 years ago to the day that President Gerald Ford bluntly told the nation this. And I must say to you that the State of the Union is not good. Folks, with just seven days until this inauguration, you... According to the latest polls, Donald Trump is actually losing support, not just amongst the broad base of American citizens, but among one of the most key demographics for the Republican Party itself. That demographic just happens to be millionaires. As most of us know, most millionaires in this country tend to support Republican policies because those are the ones that benefit them the most. And to be honest, if anybody in this country has any business voting for Republicans, it is the people who would benefit the most from these policies. But according to the latest polls, uh, even amongst those polled, 45% said they voted for Donald Trump. These are people making more than $1 million every year. And now they say that they have lost faith in the President of the United States, the man that they voted for, the man they helped put in office. They simply don't trust him anymore. And again, mostly for selfish reasons. According to the poll, these millionaires, and I guess some of them are billionaires, are scared because they believe that Donald Trump is leading the government into a new era of dysfunction, and that could have grave economic impacts on these people's personal fortunes. See, they're not worried about the everyday man. They're not worried about the, the mother who is going to be kicked off of her health insurance plan and who can't go to Planned Parenthood and get uh, uh, low-cost health care. They're not worried about the children who are losing food stamp benefits. They're worried about themselves. They don't want Donald Trump to cause another market crash that's going to lose them their entire fortunes. And, you know, I don't want to be rude to these people. They, they work. They make this money. They've earned this yeah. money, I guess. Yeah. But at the same time, we can't continue on with this selfish way of thinking of, oh, my God, this, this hurts me. Now I'm concerned. There are people all throughout this country, Republican, Democrat, rich, poor, who are suffering under the effects of Republican rule. And to be honest, it's not from Trump himself. It's from the way that Republicans themselves govern. Trump is a symptom, not the disease. That's important to remember. And when Republicans are worried about Republicans crashing the economy, it's because they remember what happens when we enact Republican policies. Right now, our Republican leaders in Washington, D.C. are trying to push through a tax reform package that is almost identical to the one that George W. Bush pushed through that cuts taxes for these millionaires, and they understand they'll make more money from that. But it also helped to tank the economy because in addition to that, they enacted massive deregulation during the Bush years, which they're also doing now, and they understand that that leads to rampant fraud, abuse, mismanagement, 
and eventually a crash. It happens every time, folks. And that's what these millionaires are starting to worry about. They're scared that they're going to lose their personal fortunes because Republicans do not know how to govern. They want the tax breaks. They enjoy the tax breaks. That's why they donate so much money to Republican candidates. But as it turns out, once Republicans are in a position to start actually enacting this legislation, the millionaires start running scared. They have to own up to their mistakes, too, though. They have to understand that they did this. They put these people in office. They've been funding these campaigns. They hold their fundraisers with their rich friends. They don't care when the rest of us get screwed. They don't care when the housing market collapses and people can no longer afford average homes. That doesn't affect the wealthy. But when the policies finally start to get so bad that the millionaires are running scared, then suddenly we have to do something. We have to fix it. It doesn't matter if Republican policies get so bad that they hurt millionaires. What's important right now is that everybody is suffering under Republican policy, and that's the way they're designed. There's nothing good that comes out of this. When we look at what they're trying to do to the underclass and to the middle class, why should we care what's happening to the upper crust of the United States? They didn't seem to care when we were being told our health care was going away or that our food stamp benefits were disappearing or that Planned Parenthood was going to shut down because they weren't going to fund it anymore. So why should we care if the stock market crashes, which most of us don't have money invested in anyway, if it's only going to affect the millionaires? If they don't back us up, we won't back them up. And that is the lesson that they need to learn from all of this. If you like this... All right. Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Like I said, folks, we are uh, vote blue. (laughs) Vote blue. And and I want to say something else. I'm not a Democrat, okay? I am not a Republican. I am an independent. And some people have a problem with that. Whether if you have a problem with me being an independent or other people calling themselves independents, then you can go straight to hell. You know, I am an independent. I, uh, I criticize this the Democrats just as much as I criticize the Republicans. And I do think that most Democrats are weak, spineless, and gutless, unless we have a different leadership, a different leader. Uh, We need a new direction. We need young people. We need young blood. We need young, because right now, you know, there may be a blue wave, but let's say even if the Democrats win both houses of Congress, do you think the Republicans are going to sit by, sit back and let that go on? They're going to be out trying to come up with all kinds of strategies and to get back in power if they should lose it in November. They're going to try and get back in power. They're not going to sit idly by. Democrats must and Democrats will lose if they continue to be soft-hearted. Republicans are nowhere near soft-hearted. This is why they win. They treat people like shit, and the people they treat like shit come back to them. I mean, for example, you take Trump, for instance. Trump treats uh, Democrats and Republicans like manure. Talk about them, call them names, fire them, but yet they come back to him. It's, It's like a woman going back to her abusive boyfriend time and time and time again. She goes, she goes back to him because either she likes being abused or 
or she has no other place to go, and, uh, or, or she's just stupid. Going back to someone who beats her every day, that, that's like – that, that uh, re- reminds me uh, a little scenario of the Republicans. Trump kicks their asses, talks about them, and does this and does that, kicks them under the bus, and they go right back and kiss his feet. So uh, even though there will be a blue wave, and hopefully the, both houses of Congress will be uh, returned to the Democrat, Democratic control, that doesn't mean that, that the Republicans are going to be sitting on their laurels and letting this happen. They're going to be trying to figure out how to get back in power. They're going to be figuring, figuring out how to get back in power, and they should never be back in power again. Republicans cannot govern. They cannot lead. They cannot uh, make America uh, be America again. They, you know what? And some Republicans admit it. They admit that they cannot lead. They cannot, uh, they're not leaders. Republicans are all about making money. They don't give a damn about your health care. They don't give a shit about that you got that your job, your children, your car, your house. They don't care two two pennies of, about that. The Republicans are all about making money. Look, Donald Trump is being sued a hundred million times because he's making money while in the White House. That's against the rules of the Constitution, but he doesn't give a fuck. So, yeah, the Democrats may take the House of Representatives and may take the Senate, but the Republicans are not going to sit idly by. They're going to be coming up with some, with a bunch of shit trying to get, trying to get back in power, even though some of them say now that they can't lead and there's so many Republicans turning rich Republicans, donors, turning away from the Republican Party, refusing to give them money. That spells trouble for the Republicans. Because most people are saying we don't want the Republicans are about to destroy democracy. The Republicans are about to destroy the economy. The Republicans are about to destroy everything that some of these billionaires and millionaires uh uh Constructed for so many years. And Donald Trump is the reason. And I just can't understand why we have Republicans who will not do anything about this man. Donald Trump knows. Donald Trump knows they're going to kiss his ass. uh, Donald Trump knows that they're trying to uh, hang on to his... uh, shirt sleeves because he feels that if they feel that if some of them feel that that if they don't have Donald Trump support they're going to lose election lose the election now how crazy can you be thinking something like that if you think that Donald Trump is going to help you get your job back when he's the most hated man in the world how in the hell he's going to help you get your job back if you want to restore your integrity, the best thing you can do is get the hell away from Donald Trump and stand up to him and fight him like so many other people are. Resist. But the Republicans in Congress, they are so damn afraid of Donald Trump, it's a damn shame. And Donald Trump, 
he doesn't have. The man is looks like he needs to be in a mental hospital. He looks as if he's on uppers, something that keeps keeping him uh, out and about and lying every day and all the time. Criticize. He wants to punish people who say nasty things about him, even though he deserves those things deserve to be said. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. We're just about off the air, folks. Make sure you join the George Wilder Jr. Show next week. We're going to start off next week with a with, with all new guests on the show. Yeah, well, I booked some people this time, folks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a lot of times you book people, like I said yesterday on the show, a lot of times folks don't show up. They get stuck in traffic or something. Or the babysitter didn't show up. <laughs> Or the phone got cut off, you know, (laughs) whatever. Anyway, we'll be here next week. And thanks for listening. Uh, Podcast these shows, listen to them after I'm off the air. I mean, that's one of the things about the George Wilder Jr. Show. You can listen to my shows anytime, day or night, morning or whenever, dusk or dawn. Just uh, come to blogtalkradio.com slash George Wilder Jr. Or even Google me, whatever. It, it, It all comes up. And uh, listen to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're going to be off for a while. I'm going to do some writing, folks. Yeah, yeah, do some writing. Uh, All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. I want you to have a great evening, a great morning, a a great weekend. (laughs) Wherever you find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, just make sure you have a good whatever. And the George Wilder Jr. Show will be back Monday, four days a week, starting at 6 o'clock p.m. Chicago time to 7.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. Wow, I almost can't remember it. Wow. Uh, 6 a.m., 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. or 8 o'clock p.m. The George Wilder Jr. Show is off the air. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one.